This morning we will install our new consistory members. We welcome Brian Jones as an elder and Lori Foster, Logan Level, Jordan Selledge, and Dan Langenkamp as deacons. And at this time I will invite Tori up. Good morning. So I wanted to invite all of the ladies here to the IF gathering this year. We are hosting that again. It'll be on March uh, 15th and 16th. So on the 15th, it'll be from 6 to 8 or 6 to 10 p.m. And then on the 16th, it'll be 8 a.m. to noon. And the IF gathering, if you don't know what that is, it is an, is an event for all women and um, all life stages and ages uh, from 14 years older and up. And this is just a time for us to experience Jesus through teaching, through worship, and through fellowship with other women. So on each of those days, there will be light refreshments and food rep- uh, provided. So on Friday night, there will be dinner, um, and then Saturday, there will be breakfast. And this is a simulcast event, so we'll hear from different uh, pastors and preachers and teachers throughout the entire event, and then Sharon, and I think maybe a few others might be leading us in worship on Saturday. So it's going to be a really good event. Uh, if you would like to come to the IFGAP, or join us. Um, there's a QR code in the bulletin, and there's also a link to sign up on the website as well. Uh, and if you have any questions, you can contact the church office, myself, Erica Bashong, or Hannah Holtzapple. I don't see her this morning, uh, but we're kind of leading this thing. So if you have questions, please let us know. If you can come for one day or both days, that's great. Um, just register and come when you can. Uh, but we're very excited for this, and we're excited to see what the Lord does in and through the women here at First Church for this event. So let us know if you have any questions, and mark your calendars for March 15th and 16th.
morning. Good morning. We want to welcome all those here today in the sanctuary, as long as those, as long as as well as those listening on the radio or watching us on Facebook Live. As we start our service this morning, I'd ask that all rise as we have our call to worship, which comes from the Book of Psalm, chapter eighty-four. All lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Babylon, hear my prayer, Lord Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Now we will continue to stand and worship with our praise team.
We thank you and we praise you because you promise to walk with us through every single moment of our lives. We pro- you promise to never leave us, never forsake us, Lord, because of your love for us. And Lord, we thank you for your every promise in your word, that you are faithful to keep every single one. God, we don't deserve that. We don't deserve your love, but you love us anyway. Thank you for drawing us into relationship with you with it, through your son, Lord. We thank you for his sacrifice. God, I pray that you would help us to reflect on his sacrifice, Lord, for us this morning as we take communion together, as we worship you, Lord. God, we lift up those on our prayers and concerns list this morning. 
Lord, you tell us that you can come, that we can come to you with anything and everything, Lord. Sicknesses, uh, sadness, burdens that we're carrying, Lord, anything that we have, we can come and we can place it at your feet. And we can trust that you will take care of it. So we trust, Lord, that you would be with people that are suffering. We pray for them. We pray that you would work according to your will in each situation, Lord. God, we pray for anyone that's not on this list that is also struggling. Lord, there are so many things going on in our lives, Lord, and we don't always share those with people. We don't always see what's going on beneath the surface, Lord, but you know. You know what our hearts are carrying. You know the burdens we have, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you know every single thing about us, and you are a good father, and you know how to care for us so well. God, as we continue to worship you this morning, help us to experience your love. Help us to sit at your feet and to learn from you this morning through worship and through the message. God, I pray that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit as we worship you this morning. And we pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. And the children can come forward for children's chat with Zach Metzger. Good morning. George, who are you? Right? I'm new. My first time. Pretty nervous too. <laughs> so Sunday, you guys were all here for Pastor Tori to come up and she kinda of put us dads on the spot, you know. She's like, We need more people in the youth ministry, especially men. So I volunteered. They said, How about children's chat? I said, I could probably do that. And I said, good, we're going to do this. So, Monday, I get the verses. And I read the verses, and I'm like, hmm, I don't really know what to do. So, Monday, Tuesday, I still don't know what to do. I'm praying. I think Wednesday, I met with Pastor Joel, and I said, hey, can you, can you let me know if I'm reading this right? And... Wednesday, Thursday, Friday comes around. I still didn't know what to do. I prayed God and I said, what am I going to do? Friday night, me and Mrs. Metzger, we went to a Bible study. And at the end of that Bible study, they asked for uh, prayer requests. And Jesus was like, ask for help. And I said, no. (laughs) So then it was silent for quite a while. And Jesus was like, ask for help. So I said, uh, I said, I said, I could use a prayer. I said, I'm preaching or I'm uh, helping with the youth on Sunday, and I don't just don't know what to do. So, and ten, probably ten or more people come up to me and they put their hands on me and they prayed. They prayed for me for a while, and then it hit me. So the point of that story will be here in a second, but me and. Me and my family, we always try to come to church because it's God's house, you know. 
Like in the Old Testament, the Israelites made a temple where God could meet with the people, right? It was kind of like God's house, and they, they had some rules about taking care of the temple because they thought it was so important that they got it right, that they, were, that they very greatly respected God's house, and they took care of it in the right way. I thought, I thought the temple today was when you go to church, because that's where people would gather in the Old Testament. And they gathered at the temple, we gathered at the church. I made the comment to a pastor once about how we were in God's house, and he says, this isn't God's house, you are. It makes sense. The Bible says when you're saved, when you believe in Jesus to save you from your sins, the Holy Spirit will come and live in you. If you are a believer, you are God's temple. The church building is not God's house. The church building is where we come together to be the church. That's important. The church is the people. All of you guys and everybody in here, we are the church. And God lives in the heart of every believer. All of us make the church, which is also called the body of Christ, which is cool and pretty amazing. Because it means that even if the church building burns down or we don't have anywhere to go, we can all come together and still be the church. As the church, we are meant to be the body of Christ, and the church is meant to share the love of Jesus Christ with the whole world. That is a big responsibility. And the responsibility is not just Pastor Joel's. It belongs to every single one of us, every Christian, every day. So I'm challenging you guys today to be the church, okay? To be the hands and feet of Jesus and to show his love to everybody. The body of Christ is meant to be together. That's where we meet at the church. That's where our church building is so important and special because it's come to where we get to learn, like Sunday school, and which is very important that we all gather together. So God wants us all to be together. And so as we're all the church on Friday night, the whole church come together and made me realize that we just can't do things on our own. We can stress about them. We can worry. Because I'm sure everybody's worried, right? No? You never worry? Okay. All right. <laughs> So, that's what we got to do, is we can come together, we can be the church, and you know that you are the church, alright? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that, that you can just help everybody be the church, and we pray that you can, you can guide us, and, and when we don't have guidance, you can give us that nudge and, and ask for help from our fellow Christians, and, and we just... We love that we love that we can come together here and be the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thanks, Zach. You guys can head back to your seats. I don't know why you were so nervous. You sounded like a pro. You did a great job. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that message with our children. And this time we have an opportunity to pray for our new consistory members. So I, I do want to invite forward uh, our new elder, Brian Jones, as well as our new deacons. Lori Foster, Logan Lussell, Jordan Setlich, and Dan Langenkamp. I want to invite you guys forward at this time.
In fact, why don't our other elders come forward as well, because they're going to pray with me as we pray for our new elders. Yeah, come on up here. So last week at our annual meeting, uh, our church approved the nominations for these new consistory members. Um, you'll notice that there's not a trustee up here because that's uh, because Craig Flutterjohn offered to serve another term as trustee. So we do have one new elder and four new deacons uh, to pray for this morning. And so we're going to do those one at a time. So, Brian, I'm going to single you out and ask you these questions and pray for you. And then we'll do the same for the deacons as well. So, Brian, do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe that the Old and New Testaments are the inspired word of God? And do you commit to align your life according to the Bible to the best of your ability with the help of the Holy Spirit? And do you feel called by God to the office of elder in order to serve God and edify the First Church of New Knoxville? And do you commit to fulfill the responsibilities of elder as outlined in our Constitution? Praise God. Well, our other current elders, I invite you to join me in prayer. And congregation, why don't you pray for us, pray with us as well as we pray for Brian. Our merciful Father in heaven, we thank you that you provided faithful and gifted people to serve as elders. As Brian assumes this, his responsibilities, we ask that you fill him with your spirit, endow him with your wisdom, and grant him strength. Make him a faithful worker in your vineyard. Under his guidance, may your church grow in every spiritual grace, in faith which is open and unashamed, and in the committed service that promotes your reign in the world. Help him to perform his duties with enthusiasm and humility. In, your, in his work, grant him a sense of sustained awe, which is rooted in daily adoration of you, his Lord. Through him, may your name be honored and your church be served. Amen. Amen. And the deacons that are coming on to consistor ask you the same questions as well. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God? And do you commit to align your life according to the Bible to the best of your ability with the help of the Holy Spirit? And do you feel called by God to the office of deacon in order to serve God and edify the First Church of New Knoxville? And do you commit to fulfill the responsibilities of deacon as outlined in our Constitution? Praise God. And again, I invite you to pray with us. Heavenly Father, since the time of apostles, you've inspired the church to commission certain members to assist in a special way in the pastoral mission of Christ. Hear our prayer for your faithful people that in their vocation and ministry, each may be an instrument of your love and give to your servants now to be ordained the needful gifts of grace. Bless these deacons that they may be humble and faith inspired in their service. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you all for being willing to serve in this way. And we're really grateful for this opportunity to pray for you. So you guys can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for coming up. And this time I want to invite our choir forward as well for our offering. Fund here at First Church in New Knoxville. So I want to encourage you to give as you feel led to give today. If you're a guest with us, of course, there's no obligation that you are required to give this morning. We're grateful that you're here, um, but we do want to encourage all that are gathered to give as they feel led to give this morning. Let's pray and ask God for his blessing on this offering today. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to give back to you a kingdom in this church, in this community, and around the world. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So this time I want to invite our deacons to come forward to collect our offering.
242, page 1092 in your pew Bible. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the second one comes from 1 Corinthians 14.26, page 1153 in your pew Bible. Then what shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue of in- or a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Reagan. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word and the opportunity we have now to open it, to study it, to meditate on it. And I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to understand and apply it to our lives. May your Holy Spirit open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And may your Holy Spirit give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you think about it, there's actually an interesting phenomenon that takes place all around the world every week. Every Sunday morning, millions and millions of people get up and they get ready and they go to church in order to worship the Lord. Or if you think about it, from, a, from an outsider's perspective, it seems strange, doesn't it? That people would give up their Sunday morning in order to do this. The pastor I used to work with at Huntington once said that, uh, you know, the, the reason we do this is because Jesus is alive today, right? The reason we gather on Sunday mornings is because back in the Gospels, we read that early on the first day of the week, which Sunday was the first day of the week, early on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb and they discovered that Jesus was not there, that he was alive. So the pastor I used to work with said, listen, if Jesus isn't alive today, if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, there are plenty of other things to do on a Sunday morning with our time. But if Jesus is alive today, it changes everything. It gives us a reason to gather here and to do what we do. You see, we gather to worship a risen Savior and to hear me talk for a little while for no reason. But we gather because Jesus is alive and that changes everything about our lives. You see, corporate worship, what we do here on Sunday mornings does matter. It's, a, it's part of the regular rhythm of our lives, but we gather here not just for our own good, but to glorify our risen Savior. And as we do that, as we gather together to worship, the Lord equips His body, the body of Christ, to be the church. You know, it's, it's amazing. I, I say this a lot, but i got to give Zach credit this morning for his first children's chat. He nailed it because that is what we're talking about here today. When we gather to worship, you know, our focus of being the church isn't about the building. It's not even about necessarily the things that we do, although those things are important. First and foremost, remember that we are the church. We are the body of Christ. And when we gather here, we are gathering in His name for one purpose, to worship Him. And so everything we do is centered around that. All right, everything we, must, we do is meant to be God-honoring and equipping us to be the church He's called us to be. And so today we got just two short verses, but there's a lot that these verses say about why worship is important and what it means for us to worship the Lord as one body. So first thing we must understand is that worship is Christ-centered. 
Now, I had Reagan just read one verse from the end of Acts chapter 2, but we need to understand the context that that verse is in for us to see this bigger picture. This verse is a, is a kind of a summary statement at the end of the day of Pentecost. If you're familiar with your biblical storyline, the day of Pentecost is, is essentially the birth of the early church. It was the day that God sent His Holy Spirit and filled the believers as they were praying together in the upper room. And then the believers began to praise God in all these sorts of different languages that people from all over the known world could understand on their own. See, people had been gathered in Jerusalem for a festival, and so there were people from all sorts of different regions that spoke all different sorts of languages. But when they heard Peter and the other disciples praising God, they all understood it in their own native language. God was doing something amazing in order to communicate the gospel message. So Peter stands up and he preaches what is the first sermon. He explains to them that what they're seeing is actually the fulfillment of prophecy, specifically in Joel chapter 2, when God promises to pour His Spirit out on all people. And he goes on to talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, the very core message of our faith that it was all part of God's deliberate plan for Jesus to die on that cross and to rise again three days later for our forgiveness and for our salvation. And so the crowd hears this message and they wonder, what must we do? What shall we do? And Peter tells them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And it's recorded that on that day, 3,000 people believed and were saved and added to the church. That day started with 120 people gathered together in an upper room praying together and it ended with 3,000 people being saved. And notice the core message of Peter's, the core, the central teaching of Peter's sermon here. It's Christ and Him crucified, right? It's Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. That is the core message of Pentecost on that day when the Spirit came down, and it needs to continue to be our core message every time we gather together as Christians. You see, when we worship together as the body of believers, it's all about Him and not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what He's done for us. It's all about His death and resurrection. It's about His continued work in the world through His Holy Spirit. When we gather to worship, He is our main focus. And so when we worship together, it's not about us. It's not, a, it's not a performance or consumer product that we're here to enjoy or consume. And it's not centered on our own personal preferences, but it's centered on who God is, what He has done for us in Christ, and how He continues to equip us to serve Him in this world. That is our focus. And that, is the fo- that was the focus on the day of Pentecost, and that needs to continue to be our focus every time we gather to worship. See, it's not about what I have to say as Pastor Joel, right? It's, you, you guys can have a lot better things to do than just to hear what I have to say, but we're here gathered to hear a word from the Lord, right? We're here to, we're here to hear a message from His Word. And yes, I most of the time have a part to play in that, and other people do as well, but it's all about Him, not about us. And so worship must first and foremost be Christ-centered. And then we see in Acts 2.42 that worship is then grounded in what I'm going to call today the ordinary means of grace. I mentioned this in a previous sermon. These ordinary means of grace. When I say ordinary, I don't mean things that are not special, but things that the, the way that God typically and normally works 
in the world and in our lives. And we see these four things listed in two in Acts chapter two, verse 42. It's they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Those four things form kind of the regular rhythm of worship, the regular rhythm of what it means to be the church together. In fact, back in the Protestant Reformation, one of the one of the teachings that was recovered at that time was that the nature of the true church is where the gospel is preached and the sacraments are administered. Right. So it's not about the the kind of church you're in. It's not about the structure. It's not about those sorts of things. It's about where the word of God is being preached and it's where the sacraments are being administered. And so it says here in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All right, so we need to remember who the apostles are. These were that small group of people that, got, that Jesus uh, uh, selected during his ministry to be with him. Right? So they witnessed his teaching. They witnessed his miracles. They witnessed his death and resurrection. And then Jesus told them, remember we talked last week about the mission, Jesus told them to go out and make disciples of all nations. And so it was these apostles who for three years lived with Jesus and witnessed all of these things. They are now equipped to go out and to teach others about who Jesus is. They were eyewitnesses to everything Jesus had done. And so when we gather as a church, our we need to make sure that we are grounding ourselves in Scripture, right? The, the apostles were eyewitnesses to everything that Jesus had done. And then over time, they went and recorded under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit all the things that Jesus did and, and what it continues to mean for us in the world today. And we have that here in our Bibles, right? When we talk about the apostles' teaching, this is what we're talking about. Scripture, God-breathed, inspired, authoritative, And we are called to center ourselves on it every time we gather to worship. And that's more than just the scripture reading and the sermon, right? That's more than just what we do when I come up front. But it's everything we do as a church. It's the music. It's the prayers. It's the children's chat, right? Everything we do is grounded in scripture. Because that is the normal way that is the the normative way that God continues to speak to us in the world today. So we must ground ourselves in the apostles' teaching. Acts two forty two goes on to say that fellowship is also important. We must remember that worship is communal in nature. There's a major difference between singing along to a worship song in your car as you're driving down the road and gather together with God's people for worship. Now, we can and should worship the Lord individually, right? There's opportunities every day to give him praise and honor and glory. And some of that may look like driving down the road, singing along to a worship song. But there's something significant about when God's people else. This past week, I had an opportunity to go attend a, a pastor's cohort. And the cohort itself was... Uh, it was a hybrid cohort. So most of the attendees were in, uh, but he's from central New York. And so it was a little difficult for him to get over here into Ohio to participate. So he zoomed into all the meetings and it was good that he was there, right? He was able to participate in the discussions. We were able to uh, have conversations back and forth. He was virtually present for all the different parts of, this, of the cohort. But yet there was still something missing, Because even though he was able to participate in the discussion, he wasn't sitting across the table from us. 
He missed out on all the informal conversations that happened in between discussions and over meals. Right? He was present for everything he needed to be present for, but he wasn't really there. And we missed him being there, and I'm sure he missed out on being present as well. There's something important about that fellowship that takes place. We're called to, when we gather together as the body of Christ, we're called to encourage and be encouraged by the other people in the room with us. I will never forget the first Sunday after COVID, right? When, when we ceased gathering for a few weeks and that first Sunday we were back together. I know it wasn't a full house, but that first Sunday we were back together was special. And for those of you who were here for that Sunday, I'm sure you won't forget it either. The sound of God's people singing together, being able to see your faces as I preached, right? There's something significant about gathering together for worship as God's people. When we don't do it, when we aren't here, we are depriving each other of our unique gifts that we're able to offer. Again, we are called the church, but 1 Corinthians 12 also calls the church the body of Christ. Now a body is its healthiest when all of its parts are present and functioning properly. A body can survive without certain limbs, without certain parts, right? But it is not fully healthy. It's, it's limited in what it's able to do. The same is true for the body of Christ. When we're missing, when we're not here, then the body of Christ isn't whole, right? There's, there's pieces and parts missing, and we're not able to function like we should. So when we are not in church together, we are depriving each other of those unique contributions, So I encourage you to make a commitment to attend worship services for your own sake, but also for the sake of your brothers and sisters in Christ that are here together. Somebody once told me that Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. Have you guys ever heard that before? Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. It's an intentional choice that we make to get up on Sunday mornings and to attend. Now, if we choose not, you know, if we, if we leave it up to how we're feeling in the morning, there's always going to be a reason not to come, right? There's always going to be a reason to roll over and go back to sleep. There's always something maybe better, more pressing to do. But if we intentionally choose, commit to attending worship on Saturday, it makes Sunday morning go a lot smoother. So you have the apostles teaching, we have fellowship. Then we also have this reference to the breaking of bread, which is a, a reference to the Lord's Supper, which we will celebrate together in just a few minutes. Now, for them, the Lord's Supper was more was a meal. It was more than just a piece of bread and a sip of juice, but it's still, the, the significance and meaning is still there today. Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper as a regular reminder of His death and His resurrection. And so every time we come to the table, every time we take communion, we are reminding ourselves of the price that Jesus paid for our salvation. It's part of it's one of the ways that we're able to keep Jesus at the center of what we do is by regularly partaking in the Lord's Supper. Now, when we take communion, it's it's both personal and communal, right? I talked about the communal nature of worship. We come to the table as individuals, right? It is an individual decision, individual commitment to follow Christ and to put Him first in our lives. But we do so together as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
So it's both an individual and communal act, but it's, and it's meant to remind us of the price that Jesus paid for us. Now, communion is an interesting thing because it's a, it's a tangible and physical act. Right? We eat the bread and we drink the juice. I can't drink Welch's grape juice and not think of communion. Right? I don't know if anybody else has experienced that too. Any time I, I drink grape juice, I think of communion. It's the taste. It's the smell. Those physical, tangible elements are reminders. They're pointers. They're signs of God's grace and his goodness. But it's more than just communion, right? Communion probably has the most theological significance and weight behind it. But what we do with our bodies in worship matters, right? There's a reason we stand, typically we stand when we sing, when we pray, when we read scripture. Right? Even just the act of singing itself is significant. We're hearing the other voices in the room. There's a reason why even the, the sanctuary itself, even though the church isn't the, build, the, the building isn't the church, there's, a, there's significance to how this church is laid out in, this, in the stained glass windows and those sorts of things. If you ever notice, there's a reason why a lot of old churches right, have very high ceilings in their sanctuary. And oftentimes think of like the dome, stained glass dome right behind me. Anytime I invite someone to come to church for the first time and I show them around, they walk into their sanctuary and what happens? They look up. They see the stained glass and it's, it's meant to raise our eyes heavenward. Right? It's meant to raise our gaze up to the heavens. Now the building isn't the church, but the building helps us to, it's, they're physical, tangible reminders of what God has done for us. It's these physical traditions that ground us in the story of salvation history. And that's a very biblical idea. In Deuteronomy 6, as well as Exodus 12, we're told of, of um, important things. In Exodus 12, it's the Passover. And the Lord is establishing this Passover meal as a lasting ordinance among His people. In Exodus 12, He says, So when you go into the Promised Land... And when you celebrate the Passover, your children are going to ask you, why do we do this? And when they ask you, you're supposed to tell them it's because the Lord saved us out of Egypt. The Lord rescued us from Pharaoh's hand and brought us into this land flowing with milk and honey. And so the Passover, which of course the Lord's Supper is very well connected to, it was a physical act, but it was also a teaching opportunity for parents and children. For the, for the body of believers to remind themselves of why we do what we do. There's a significance to the physical acts of worship. There are opportunities to ground ourselves in the gospel and the story of salvation. So it's important to know why we do. So we want to celebrate communion regularly, but to remind ourselves of the gospel message. But we also can take the opportunity to remind ourselves of why we do other things as well and how they point us to the gospel. I also want to point out prayers here. I won't dwell on this part for too long, but, but he also says they devote themselves to prayer. Public and private prayer are both important. I already said God speaks to us through his word and, and prayer is our opportunity to respond to God and what he's speaking in our lives. And prayer is both corporate an individual. Every Sunday we have an opportunity for someone to come forward and pray on behalf of the congregation. But of course, we also encourage you to take time individually to pray as you feel led to pray. 
times of personal reflection, confession. I was told once that prayer is the work of the church because it's something that everybody can do. Right? Not everybody's going to get up front and lead a song. Not everybody's going to preach a sermon. Not everybody's going to come up and do children's chat. But everybody can pray. And everybody is called to pray. Prayer is powerful and effective because Christ is powerful and effective. The power of prayer doesn't lie in us. It lies in Him. So everything we do must be guided and bathed in prayer. Prayer is a statement of faith in God. A prayerless church is a faithless church. A prayerless church is a sign of a dead church. So we must commit ourselves not just to His Word, not just to worship, but to prayer as well. Now, the time I have left, I want to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians 14.26. Again, just one verse, but there's something really important here. We've talked about, we've kind of defined worship for us, why it's important. But notice here in 1 Corinthians 14.26 that worship is also meant to be participatory. So worship isn't just something you show up to and enjoy, but it's something you're called to participate in. It's not a spectator sport. Right? We're called to actively participate in worship, and, and everyone has something that they can contribute to the service. Notice the list here. There's a variety of things. Right? So no one person is able to do everything, and, and we're not, we shouldn't expect everybody to do, or one person to do everything, but we all are able to contribute a variety of gifts. But not everything is up front. Right? We sometimes think that the only way we are able to participate is if we're standing up here looking out that way. But there's so many more ways to participate than just being up front. And one of the ways you can contribute is by being here and actively participating in the service. Right? Don't discount the impact that you can have on the body of Christ by, by singing and praying, by listening attentively, by, by fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That is a contribution to our worship. It's not just what happens up here. It's what happens everywhere as we worship our Lord together. Now notice, going on in 1 Corinthians 14, worship is also supposed to be orderly. He says a couple times, he says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So in other words, worship isn't just a, a free-for-all. There's structure and purpose to the service. I do have to say, the elements of the service are meant to be in line with the main scripture passage of the day. And there is so much prayer and thought that is given to how the script, the, how the service is structured. From the music to the call to worship to the children's chat, it's all meant to align in order to glorify God and keep our focus on Him. And finally, worship is, the, is for the edification of the church, so that the church may be strengthened, so the church may be built up. Again, the reason we are here is to worship God. But when we do that, God equips us and empowers us to be the church. Not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of the week. Hebrews 10 reminds us to continue to meet together so that we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So we gather on Sunday mornings so that we can be equipped and encouraged to go out and live out our faith, live for Christ Monday through Saturday as well. I've mentioned this before, but we are called to be both a church that gathers and the church that scatters. 
Right? So we gather as a church here on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, whenever you're here, right? We gather as a church so that we can be equipped, so that we can be refreshed, so that we can be challenged in our faith. We gather to be equipped and empowered. But then we go out into the world. We scatter. We don't stop being the church, but we go out into the world in order to spread the gospel, to be the light, to serve the least of these among us, and by God's grace to help rescue the lost. That is why we worship. We worship to glorify God. And when, as we do so, he, he strengthens us, He equips us, He builds us up so that we may serve Him in this world. So church, as we gather together, let's glorify God in all that we do. Let's ground ourselves in the gospel message and keep Him at the center of everything. But let's don't stop being the church when the service ends. Let's go out into the world and be the church wherever and whenever you have the opportunity to do so. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your grace is what draws us here. That when we gather here, we are gathered as your people to glorify and worship you. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would equip us and empower us to serve you in this world. And one of the things that you've given us, Lord, as part of our worship, and, and, and one of the ways you've equip, you equip us is by gathering around this table, by taking the Lord's Supper so that we can be spiritually strengthened to serve you in this world. And so as we gather now, I pray, Lord God, you would remind us of why this is necessary. Because we are sinners in need of a Savior. We have all done things and said things and thought things that were not pleasing to you. And we've left things undone that we know we should have done. And so hear us now as we confess our sins to you. And Lord God, we, we know that the promise you make us in your word is sure, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And so Lord God, we give you all thanks and praise and glory and honor because our salvation is, is, is earned by your son, Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and you invite us to receive it by faith when we put our trust in you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As Paul says, I've received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, we invite you to take this sacrament to your comfort. As always, if you're unable to come forward for any reason, there will be a couple elders that are able to serve you in the pews.
is the body of Christ, which is broken for you. Feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. this is his blood which was shed for you that your sins may be forgiven take and drink knowing that he died for you amen let's pray together father god we are so grateful for your son jesus christ for his death and resurrection which has earned our salvation for us lord we we come to you in faith trusting that your word is true and that in Christ, all who put their faith in you are saved. And so we ask, Lord God, that you'd fill us now with your Holy Spirit, that we may live and love you, live for you, love you and serve you this day and all the days of our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we close our service today. I invite you to stand if you're able. Let's sing number 283. We are God's people.
Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.